to get what we did last year, um, it was a process. Then we didn't abandon the process, and this is what, what is the most important thing is. If we're sticking the process and we believe in what we're doing and we <clears throat> demand to the players to excel, uh, we'll be closer to what we did last year or even more. Yeah. Third Degree, the podcast is brought to you by Soccer90.com. Right now, Third Degree listeners get 25% off when you shop at Soccer90.com and use our code Third Degree at checkout. FC Dallas gear, national team gear, international gear. Soccer Night's got everything. Jersey scarves, tees, you name it. All the clubs around the world. Third degree. 3-R-D-D-E-G-R-E-E at checkout. 25% off. Limited time. Some exclusions may apply. Well, hello, FC Dallas curious fans. Welcome to episode 193 of Third Degree, the podcast. My name is Buzz. Uh, You may know me more uh, commonly as Buzz. I'm uh, hosting today. Joining me is none other than my English friend, Dan Crook. How are you doing, Dan? I'm good. You may know me more commonly as Dan also. Or Daniel. Uh, oh, yeah, not too. Not Danny. Never Danny. <laughs> not, no Danny? Okay. No. Uh, Peter Welton will be rejoining us next week, which makes for a smoother and more professional broadcast. Yes. Yes. Special thanks again to Owen Newkirk for filling in on two of the podcasts. I didn't want to abuse him, but I thought there were a couple of occasions where it was nice. He's a professional as well, so it, it helps us clean up the broadcast and make it a uh, good broadcast like I'm uh, doing a show. Can we just say, that i, I got to say, you did a great job on, on editing the end of last week's podcast because Owen did the greatest <laughs> Irish goodbye I think I've ever heard to the point where Owen hangs up and Buzz just goes, I thought we were still podcasting. Yeah, we did like 10 minutes on something I thought was a weird topic to segue to. I, I guess that I realized that we were done with the show. So I went back and found an edit point <laughs> to get us out before that topic. So, uh, yeah. So we figured there was out. no whisper or anything yeah, last week. There was no we whisper. had no idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, I guess we're done somewhere in the, that last little bit. But anyway, we teased. That is a true story, but uh, he did a great job uh, filling in uh for us, Owen did, and 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 uh, and again, thanks to him for having a good, fun podcast last week. It was so good, in fact, that one or two people actually mentioned to me how much they enjoyed it. So today at uh, training, because that's what today was the first day of training for 2023, our 26th, my 26th season. Uh, it was I thought it was gonna be cold, and it wasn't. It was joyous to be out there. Um, there was later a press conference that we're gonna get into with. Uh, Dan Hunt and Nico Estevez and Andre Zadana, the three-headed monster that leads this franchise. Um, and we're going to talk about all that stuff. And there's also some news this week. Uh, we're going to start with the news, Dan. Uh, we learned in the press conference, in fact, that at the end of last season, Andre Zanata sat down with Frank O'Hara and explained uh, the, the, the mid-summer contract issue, how complicated that was going to make things for FC Dallas. And if he found some other team that was interested in him to get back to Andre and they would do their best to facilitate him. 
Uh, and that turned out to be true. They, the, they found a team in Argentina, his hometown, as, as I understand it. Programming, yeah. yeah, where he's been wanting to play his whole life, and that's phenomenal for him. And uh, so interesting, Dan, that that they started working on this idea at the end of last season, and, and what a benefit it is for FC Dallas to have cleared that salary off of the cap. Yeah, uh, like you mentioned, uh, Andre said they sat down in November, uh you know if you want we've said a bunch of times you know to exhaustion almost what a great pro the hire has been for some of the younger guys in that and you know he's he and his agent have had to put them put in the legwork to go in put himself out and, and find a, a team to remove himself from the uh from the roster and and the salary and, and that dp designation to uh to allow fc dallas to maybe work in some of its uh some of its transfer plans so uh yeah good 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 on him yeah we we have talked to death what a good pro he was and this is another example of that uh and it, it was interesting to learn that dallas was ahead of this idea uh and it, again something else that came up in the press conference is zanata in his introductory comment i think it was mentioned that they began working on the moves they want to make between seasons you know well into the previous season so it's been coming for some time, that idea that they would try and approach Frank O'Hara about moving on. And again, it's just about the uh, contract that was the problem. I think if he would have been on a small, you know, veteran kind of number, uh, it would have been much more palatable. But, um, you know, at, at the same time at his age, it's, it's necessary to move on in a league that is a track meet league like MLS is. Oh, having that designation last half a season is always difficult because you're either going to go half a you know you're going to go half a season without a DP one way or the other. At least this kind of gives you the time to work on it and know that you've got that in your back pocket if a move develops. Yeah, the other piece of news is that we have uh, finally seen the club sign a centre back. Now, in my opinion, this is what. Nico referred to as the fifth center back, uh, even though there are not currently five center backs on the team. The point being that this is a young developmental uh, center back. His name is Amet Corsia. Hopefully I'm getting that mostly correct. The, the quite interesting part is that he played for Solar. So he's a local kid. He's from Arlington. And he spent some time in the Czech League, I believe it was, and, and Croatia as well. Um, the bottom line is, to me, this is a very salty, savvy move to go out and get a young developing player that can fit in the bottom part of your roster on a good budget, provide you that insurance fifth center back. I call it Nico call it that as well, even though we don't have the front four yet. Uh, so Dan clever move, isn't it? I mean, this is, this is well done uh, to get a guy that's a domestic player to fit this role without going through a draft. Yeah. I think it's, it's one of those like low risk, high reward, almost moves that, that they, that the hunts love at least um you know he spent a few years in in croatia so he's got that you know he he's he's had a a lot of the adversities that come with kind of going to a foreign country foreign language everything else dealing with that so coming home should you'd hope be a walk in the park um but in terms of his development you know not a strong league didn't you know he was uh he was a reserve team player played three first team appearances um so you know don't you, you temper your expectations don't say oh it's a guy from europe yeah yeah uh but you know someone who 
is in their development and maybe, you know, coming to MLS and and making benches and, and getting some second half minutes is going to go on to some good things and could, you know, he's a, well, a, a one year with a two, with two option years. So, you know, that's, that's always the deal where it's like, okay, we're taking a gamble and you were going to see where it goes. And sometimes you get some good results from that. Yeah. He left solar to go to Dinamo Zagreb in 2019, uh, went to their Academy. So he was a teenager when he did that. What's what, that adventure must have been like, even if he was a guy who had some sort of connection to that part of the world, which by his name, perhaps he did. He uh, still, yeah. Still a remarkable, uh, bold thing to do for a young man. And uh, that's the kind of move that will toughen up a player mentally, which sometimes is an issue with uh, young American players. Well, and just looking at it, he, um, you know, he didn't finish up with Dinamo Zagreb. So he's, you know, had the, He's had that discussion of, well, maybe your time's up at this team and, and go here. So it's not like he's coming home to sulk or anything. This is a stage in his career. You know, this is a legitimate stage in his career. This is an event. This is not, um, you know, I, I don't want to liken it to uh, the, the Justin Shane Dante Sealy thing. We talked about, you know, the, the idea of maybe they don't want to come home. Maybe it's kind of a tail between your legs you know it could be seen by some as a tail between your legs because that's absolutely not what that is this this is a guy that's taking the next step in his development and that's moving to a league that's realistically better than the Czech league that he hopes to get some minutes in yep well the next thing that happened was this morning and this is not necessarily news per se but it was the first training session of the season Today was mostly the beep test. And Dan, I'm sure you know what the beep test is. For those of people that are listening to the audience, this is one of the most brutal, physical, demanding things that they do. Um, It involves uh, cones, certain distance apart. I think it's about 20 feet or maybe 15 yards, something like that. And And they play an audio tape that has beeps on it. And the beeps keep getting faster and faster and faster. And you have to, when you start the thing, you're barely more than walking. But then... Five minutes in, you're now moving at a pretty good clip, and it gets up to the point where you're just about sprinting. After 10 minutes of this, it's a slow build, and it's one of the most painful things that they've ever any athlete's ever done. If you've ever tried it, it's brutal. Um, but it's fascinating to watch because you can sometimes be surprised by how people perform. In terms of who was in training today, the only things that are sort of interesting, it was all basically the, the normal players on the roster. The three draft picks were all there, plus... Holland Rula, who's a former academy player that Dallas drafted last year. And for everybody listening that doesn't pay close attention to this, you hold a player's rights for two years. So he's reported this year after taking an extra year in grad school to play at High Point. He originally is a left back out of Wake Forest. So probably more in a, as all later picks are, as might be more in line for North Texas, but nonetheless, good player. Uh, and then the four, four of the five North Texas players under contract were also in camp. The only one missing was Hope. Uh, Kudzo. Uh, and then the only FC Dallas player missing is Giovanni, who's um, who coach, not the coach, uh, sorry, Andre said is in the middle of the visa process, had his first interview. Uh, and then there was a little bit of an issue like there almost always is. And he should be scheduled to arrive, they believe, before the end of next week. So pretty reasonable for that green card. But not, not go ahead, Dan. Not an issue with him or his interview. It was, uh, uh, you know, Andre did say, it was the biometric. So, you you know, you go, I think there's a retina scan now. You have your photo taken, you do your fingerprints, all that that sort of stuff. Um, I've had to do mine repeatedly. They 
frequently get messed up or lost. So, yeah, totally normal. Yeah, definitely a a process, <laughs> clinical, you know, paperworky kind of thing. Not a real problem, just a little cl- technical clerky problem. Hopefully, they'll get it worked up pretty soon. So, Dan, beep test. Uh, which, if you're going to predict, now they divided the group into two. So the, the group that I was concerned with, the group I watched, was the mainly the senior first team players, mm-hmm. uh, minus Bernard Camungo and and the goalkeepers and stuff like that. So if you had to predict, I want to hear your guess as to who you think did well and who did badly in the beep test. Okay, the really, the really crappy thing about the beep test is you have to be disciplined. You have to know your pacing. You can't just go, oh, I just want to, I just want to run because it's not all about endurance, it's about control. So, I'm going to say Ariola's out, Paxton's out, Brandon's out. I'm going to go with... This is like the thing that James Milner would thrive in. Um, (laughs) Crap, I don't know. Well, I will tell you that I was standing with a PR-type person, and we had a little informal like guess game and i guessed paul Ariola, and uh i was actually surprised by who finished last you have a guess yet dan on who's good and who's bad uh from you saying that, i'm gonna say paul Ariola last i'm gonna say possibly i wouldn't be shocked if jimmy mauer was really good at that or, or legit all right well jimmy mauer was in the other group and i didn't see him but of the field players with the senior team quinon Coming in last place by a long way, like b- fell out, and then like five more things went, and then for the next person fell out. Hader Obreon. Yeah, I can see that. Apparently, he missed the memo on being game fit coming into camp because he was way off the mark in terms of that. It's, it's it's hard though. It's like it's. I'm mean, I'm sure if it was just doing shuttle runs, he'd be fine. But yeah. it's that you've got a. You've got to control your pace. You've got to pick up a tiny. You know, it's like it's the reason that no one likes to do the hundred, the two hundred meter sprint, but everyone loves the one hundred or four hundred. Yeah. You don't know where you start sprinting. You have to control yourself. Yeah, this this is a thing that Dax McCarty was always amazing at the, the beep test um, back in the day, which surprised me. The first time I saw it, he was a rookie. He won it. It was amazing. All right, finishing in third place, to my surprise and to my excitement, in fact, Brandon Cervania. Wow. Third place. Now, Paxton was in the group that fell out just before that. So he was right at the end. He fell out. Pomacol did. He was one of the last half of the players. The same people fell out at that time were like Jesus fell out at that time. Faku fell out at that time. Farfan fell at that time. All kind of in a group. So second place, Paul Ariola. my bet. Really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Looking at Paul and using my eye test, you know how I am. Looking at how he's carrying himself today and how fit he was today, I think Paul Ariola is in a, oh, you're going to cut me from the World Cup, are you? Just wait. And I think he looks quite determined to, to do well. The winner of this shocked me, but perhaps it should not have. Siki and Sebeling, number one in the beef test today. Wow. Okay. Yeah, crushed it. Because you're right that sometimes the wisdom that you need in that event is has to be there to control yourself, to pace yourself. And he lasted longest. And everyone cheered him quite a bit because he did really well. By the way, uh, Ima Tuomasi and Sebastian Legette were not present today. They're both sick. So not a, not a big deal. I will tell you, of the other group, 
that I did not watch the beep test. I think they actually did it before I even got there. Um, I hear that Bernie Camungo did not get the memo about being fit and coming into camp. Maybe to the point of being fat. <laughs> like when I said, remember last year, or it was a couple years ago when I said Paxson was fat when he hadn't played in like a year. Like that. So, Bernie, not a good start, but we'll see. It's, it's tough for, for young guys. Who, I mean, he, you know, he didn't, didn't have the academy system, anything like that. It's kind of hard to... Yeah. Second year is a quote-unquote pro, first real year. Uh, yeah, he's, I mean, he's going to find out expectations are pretty high. Yeah, they are, and they, they won't put up with that. They'll they'll try and get kick that out of him pretty quick. Um, as I said, the other camps were in pick. Uh, I said that backwards. Picks were in camp. Uh, Parker and Smith were both up uh, with the younger group, all the North Texas guys. So no one there that was a surprise because it was all pretty straightforward. All right, let's get on to the press conference because there, the only other comment I have about uh, the training is that of the young guys, after they did the beep test, the coaches put them through some small sort of ball cone kind of drills. Uh, I'm assuming to say, now that I just crushed you in the beep test, come over here and show me what your feet look like. I didn't really notice anybody being particularly poor. Uh, it's really su- always surprising to me, although it shouldn't be now that the average ability of kids coming out of college and picks and stuff these days is much higher than it used to be. So you don't often see, I don't think kids that come out of the draft and walk into camp and are just brutally horrible. That doesn't mm-hmm. really happen. Even, even a guy who the first couple of days gives you a really horrible impression like Bartlett did last year, he still is 90% competent. You know, it's only the with him. It was mostly the choices that he was making that were such a problem. Um, and so all these kids, you watch their ball skill and it's all better than, you know, sometimes think of what used to be pros 20 years ago. It really is quite remarkable. Okay. Press conference. Uh, this was Nico Estevez, Dan Hunt and Andre Zanata. And one of the first things Nico talked about, Dan was the places that the coaching staff went this winter to try and prove themselves. And you and I both, I think were impressed by some of the locations that various guys were heading. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, start off with uh, Peter Lucine naturally going back to uh, going back to France. Um, talked about, oh, I always forget his name. Sakabeo is his surname. Um, one of the coaches who went to Barcelona and Espanol, so stayed in Catalonia. Um, and then Nico himself traveled around quite a bit. I think he said... Uh, he took in uh, some time with with Man United. Um, he went to Wolves. Uh, yeah, uh, is it Lepetegui? Is the the new manager the one who was briefly the uh, the briefly the Spain manager um, who'd kind of been the the next up and coming uh, Spanish coach until he kind of had a bit of a PR gaff. Um, yeah, you know, Nico said he'd gone to Marbella. He he'd gone to the Marbella Football Center where they're uh, gonna have the training camp this season. Uh, you know, talked up a lot about yeah, really the the, the kind of the journey, the the experiences. Um, I want to say in Spanish he said something about Juan de Ramos as well. But uh, <laughs> I heard him mention Gattuso, sitting with Gattuso, oh, talking yeah, yeah, tactics yeah. and training and yeah. Yeah, so um, yeah, I mean, th- I'm trying to think which other clubs he mentioned. He kind of reeled off a list. It was a lot. I was surprised with how many it was. 
Uh, oh uh, yeah, uh, Valencia. Uh, that's where Gattuso is now. So yeah, that that makes yeah. complete sense to uh, to go home. And I think that's the one he said that he had the most training access and was able to watch training and stuff. So I think that not doesn't surprise us at all. That level of contact there. No, absolutely. But I mean, it's so impressive. I, mean, I remember last year he was talking about trying to do something with uh, Mikel Arteta as well. So just to kind of see those sort of things followed through, I don't. I don't remember. I don't think we've seen that before here. That kind of level of club as well. That level. I Lucci was always pretty proactive about doing stuff, but the level that they reeled off for this one is pretty exciting in terms of, you know, where they might be looking for for models and influence and tactics. So it is it is pretty inspiring. Um, Dan Hunt in his opening statement said the kind of things that you expect him to say. You know, when championships, blah, blah, or, you know, not satisfied, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Andre Zanata, same sort of thing, you know, happy with the roster. Andre plays it close to the vest. He doesn't give you a lot of, uh, of details on exactly what they're looking at. And we're going to come back to that in a minute, actually, when we talk about needs. But um, just some general opening statements from those guys that I thought was pretty normal and nothing stood out to me. <clears throat> Excuse me. What did stand out was the number of times, Dan, that in that press conference that Nico himself mentioned the word mentality. Um, and specifically, it was the, the, the one that was the most telling, I thought, was when he talked about how after they beat Minnesota last year, that he got the feeling that everyone sort of thought, oh, that's as far as we can go. And he he wanted to break that mentality. He wants to break that expectation to think, to get them to believe that they can beat anybody you know, and, th- and that seems to be a talking point for him. A buzzword for this season seems to be that idea of mental status and mental focus. Yeah, you know what wasn't a buzzword this year? Process. Uh, <laughs> well, there was said, one little bit where he did say process well, a little. <laughs> he, he said it three times, uh, which was all in one thing, which was talking about last season, Yeah, which is about kind of getting through that process. So, I mean, you know, we, we've, we've clearly evolved past the it's a process now you know now talking about mentality of beating anyone dan hunt talked about you know got a got a home playoff win let's get another home playoff win uh you know clearly even though we're in you know year two of a cycle they they recognize that you know that window may shift a little earlier than later yeah nico talked a lot about mentality talked about trying to build that identity but very specifically he talked about trying to play quicker and I don't think he means vertically, like over the top, but to just to play with a bit more alacrity, uh, specifically to be less predictable. That's both in the tactical shape, but also in the way ability to change the flow of the game. You know, with without having to massively overhaul who's on the field. Again, a lot of that is mental side of the game. You know, something there. Uh, the funny thing is, is listening to the press conference today, I was actually reminded of Colin Clark a lot because he talked about the same sort of things. The idea that late in games, your mind, when your body gets tired, your mind gets tired. You want to be able to change the way the game flows. Something Oscar always talks about is being the protagonist and influencing things. Um, and that's where we are. And the Clark statement that most clearly aligns with this is the idea that a lot of people that get to the endless level have ability. But what they don't all have is the mind. It's the mind that so often makes the difference between individual players. And it seems like this year that might be the emphasis, the mind. Yeah, the, the worst thing that can happen, right, is is a player's head dropping or a team's heads dropping collectively, rather. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you can 
you can get as you can only get so far on on talent physicality or that you kind of have to you know if you do get to that point where it's like okay beat minnesota this is as far as we've come doesn't matter what the uh what the opponent is you know then then something does have to shift yeah one of the ways in which i think they want to try and distill some early different kind of methodology and and coach mentioned specifically the value of going to spain um that he learned from when he went to brazil with the crew in 2017 was the idea of getting away from everybody and getting separated from everybody and being able to have time as a group but even the privacy of those training sessions uh and relay that to going to spain this year and being able to implement things and work on things without having anybody see it now, I sometimes feel that's a little overblown because who's a training but me? But nonetheless, I know what he means. Um, in particular, he he identified a couple of teams um, in the play in Sweden, Malmo, Hammerby, or Hacken. And, and, and I wondered if that means that's actually who they're playing. But he did mention the Dutch League and the Norway League, too. Uh, yeah, he was t- yeah, he mentioned Norway, Dan- uh, the Danish League rather than the Dutch League, uh, the ones that all have that right. similar Sorry, yes, winter, yes. the winter off. Um, so actually, while FC Dallas is there, uh, you know, uh, this this facility, I mean, this is a facility Man United uh, did their uh, mid-season stuff at, uh, Borussia Dortmund did theirs, uh, Augsburg did theirs when, uh, when uh, Pepe was with them. They're actually going to host uh, Vancouver and Seattle um, the, weeks, the week before FC Dallas gets there. But um, when FC Dallas gets there, they'll have, let's see, uh, they'll have an overlap of exactly one day with Seattle. Um, Hammerby will be there, Haken, both their men and women, uh, Bran from Norway, their men and women, uh, Odd Greenland, uh, that's going to be their second team by the sounds of it, Malmo, uh, Chunbuk, uh, Hyundai from uh, Korea will be there, mm. and uh yeah that's it uh so they've got a good range of friendlies though i mean the last time we kind of saw that and uh you know one thing one thing um nico said is players can get a little bit disengaged playing you know if you play three games against someone in the season but you also play them twice in preseason maybe once in the open cup that that's tedious and there's only so much you can learn from the the same clubs over and over again so um that's a pretty similar uh, preseason set to was it twenty fifteen when they went to um it's twenty fourteen or twenty fifteen, I can't remember which, but they went to Dubai and uh played I think at the Aspire Academy then and I, I wanna say they played Hacken and they may have played Malmo. No, in the era when they were involved with uh Atletico Paranese down in Brazil, they would go down to that facility and they would train there and play down there. Back in the Colin Clark era, again, another analogy where those two coaches I'm finding were increasingly similar. Uh, the Lamanga years were in those years, and that's when they were allowing me to tag along. And I remember them playing teams like Bodo Glint or Odd or playing Bronby, you know, these teams that are in these leagues, uh, the, the Norways and the Denmarks and the Swedes, these teams that play the slightly off schedules. You know, and and those are you're right. Those are incredibly talented teams and really good. You know, the game against Dinamo Kiev, I think it was, is one of my favorite memories in Burn history, Dallas Burn history at the time, when they FC Dallas tied that club and they were the most upset of anybody I've ever seen letting Dallas tie them. 
you know, those kinds of moments, those bonding moments, those teams that are unfamiliar, the styles that are unfamiliar, players that don't know each other, they don't know Dallas and Dallas don't know them. And you have to read the game and adapt to the game. Just invaluable mental side of the game in those situations. Well, you mentioned uh, Lamanga. Lamanga used to be the the go-to um, European destination training place. You know, in, in summers it was booked out for the whole time for 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 the really big teams, and uh, you know, obviously all facilities age, and and Marbella Football Center is kind of taken the mantle as that now so i mean that's a that's a great get um to uh you know to get booked in there wish i was going me too <laughs> you know I, I you know for what makes it worse is from home it's like 20 pounds to fly there yeah i know yeah that would be fun okay so i tried to corner uh, both the coach and andre on the idea of a center back something we've suggested was a need for quite some time andre did not feel like being pinned down on whether they would were actually interested in a center back or whether it would be now or this summer. Uh, I did ask Nico to talk about what kind of profile they were looking for, since he probably would not want to say specifically who they looked at. And he mentioned some of the words he mentioned were leadership mentality, again, physical and strong, of course, because of this league, but experience helping have a mindset that could help late in games and also help young center backs grow. Although we only have really one center back around here in Nikosi, although the new kid is also, you know, something, but we'll see whether he's real or not. Um, and, but again, they were like, they both talked about how there were other positions perhaps that needed improvement as well, deflecting a little bit from what I would have said was the number one need still at this point. Interesting, Dan, that they kind of are, at least publicly, slightly backpedaling. Is that just coach and TD speak? Think you think Dan, or is there is there, is there still a pretty glaring need at center back? Uh, I think I think this is a bit of coach because clearly a need. They're talking about the summer. Um, you know, if if Nico even is referring to Corsa uh, as the as the fifth center back when they've got four, then. You know, they're either planning for someone to come in, they're just trying to be coy, or they're just trying not to get rushed and say, okay, we are bringing someone in in the summer, and what we have until then is what we have until then. Um, there, there, there clearly is a need. Um, as as good as Ibiaga could be here, you've got to look at it on the surface, and that is a guy that's not been an MLS starter. Uh, doesn't matter how good the team is, how bad the team is, hasn't been an MLS starter now you're bringing him in and then you're saying okay now he starts uh at the same time you've got somebody like uh uh Jose Martinez who's had the the problems that he's had they've been pretty open about are you saying those have gone now and that you don't need uh, an additional player yeah the thing with Ibiaga is and I would agree he's probably playing the best soccer of his career but he's going to be 31 in what 10 days yeah, yeah, eight days. So, again, you know, a guy that you like the look of in terms of filling a leadership role, a veteran role, a depth role. Are we ready for Nikosi to start? Probably. I'm ready for it. Is he going to be the guy? We hope. Is is Martinez able to hold up 90 minutes every game? We hope. That's a lot of hope. You know, so that's why we talk about the idea that there needs to be another center back in there, hopefully one more in the prime dominant player. Um, 
I'll jump ahead a little bit and I'll say when I did talk to Nico one-on-one later, he did mention, confirm again, yes, center back. And I'll talk in a bit here about what else he told me, but let's keep going with the press conference. <clears throat> but overall, there definitely is a message from Zanata and Nico that, you know, moving Franco Har off the thing gives them the options and ability to do th- some things. They're pretty happy where they are, but not, you know, they, they know that it's not there yet. It is still part of the process, is it not? Um, that's such a bad word. I know. Uh, yeah, it, it, it truly is still part of the process. They're not the finished article. They're, they're a long way off it. And maybe that's why there is a bit of, uh, you know, maybe a lack of urgency in, in some way because they're, they're not a team that's one piece away from MLS Cup right now. No. Um, so... You know, does that send, does that extra centre back take them from an outside chance to a guaranteed chance? No. Does it? <laughs> you know, it just kind of increases the chance. All right. The next topic that which there was some discussion in the press conference was North Texas Soccer Club. Uh, Nico Seves specifically mentioned better communication, having the second team play in the same way as the first team. Again, he emphasized having a smaller roster with the first team. He didn't say we want to. He said, we're going to have a smaller roster. That means more players may be going down or loaned out, I will add. Um, But again, Dan, interesting there that all the talk from them perfectly aligned with what we discussed were issues with uh, Pamadou Ka. And the reason why, part of the reason why, and a major reason why he's departed is this relationship with the first team coach, the relationship with that team in terms of just talking, let alone playing the same way and moving guys up and down. I mean, you can look back at last year and saw how few guys moved up and down rather than being just down to indicates what an issue that was. Yeah. I mean, you say relationships more a lack of yeah, uh, than, than anything. <laughs> um, you know, I, I did want to ask, I uh, just didn't get a chance at the end of the press conference. Uh, I just want to ask how much the quality of MLS next pro was going to come into the decisions and how much maybe they'd have to look at the loan market versus, you know, just sending players down. But uh, maybe I'll ask that one on Monday. Um, yeah, it was interesting because he, he mentioned that, uh, is it Cano, the new coach? Cano, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he mentioned that, you know, he, although they're both Spanish, they have a similar background. Uh, the first time he'd met him was actually in Washington, D.C. when uh, Cano had come out to... Uh, I think it was a national team training yeah, camp that's right it's um but i mean obviously they've you know obviously they've hit it off he's a guy that's been in texas he's uh you know spent some some time sort of uh with the youth and lower ages that's a lot of his career i mean i think you know they, yeah, I think it sounds like a really good hire and a really good, a much improved situation than last year. Uh, obviously, you know, a year ago we were raving about Pa and uh, at his coaching uh, resume, um, but you got you got to feel that maybe two people who uh, quite literally speak the same language are going to uh, yeah. get on a little bit better, and especially now that it's more. It's it's Nico's team now, you know. It's you, you're you're coming in to exactly that play his style the same way, you know. You knew that any coach was coming in knowing they had to play Oscar's style, uh, or, or to a degree Lucci's style. It wasn't like a new 
club and oh well i've done this and he's brand new do i really have to conform to his identity yeah i think last year you could clearly see that those two coaches were very different in, in their style pamaduka is a boisterous over the top cheerleader come down on you publicly loudly nico is a pull you aside quiet word in a quiet moment you know hug it out positivities very not boisterous, very uh, reserved in a lot of ways. You know, there, there was definitely a, a difference in style. And you can t- you can see in this hire, I think, the fingers of Nico Estevez, the influence of Nico Estevez. This is a coach from my brief conversation with him that's much more vibe in tune with Nico, comes from a similar background, presumably wants to play a similar way, you know, went to school in Valencia even. So, you know, this feels like, a Nico hire. And that does fit in with what Nico had told me, which was the first year he really concentrated on the first team, but now he wants to begin to extend himself out through the club, whether it be North Texas and even into the Academy going and watching games, talking to their coaches, make sure everybody's on the same page. So in a way, some more progression here with Nico controlling the entire soccer organization and not just the first team. Yeah, it's, it's just going to be interesting to see how much the the quality of play uh, comes in, in into not disrupting, but you know, kind of uh, pegging back some of that plan. Yeah, let's be clear. When Nico says he wants to run a smaller roster, what he means is he wants training to have be basically like twenty two, like a two deep. So when you get to the drill, the the full scrim scrimmage tarp part of the drill. It's just 11 v 11, and there's not four dudes standing around waiting to get into the game, if you will. That's what he is talking about. He's not talking about cutting people off the 30-man roster. He's just talking about a functional training roster leading into a functional game day roster. There will be players that will be on this team that maybe are training with him during the week some and down with North Texas some, or maybe they're on loan some to somewhere else some. You know, It won't be 30 guys in training for, with the first team every day, as you sometimes get with these teams. So that's what that means, and it'll be interesting to see how it changes this year. It's one thing for him to say that, and I totally believe him. It's going to be fun to watch. Whack the mic. It'll be fun to watch how that actually processes out. Now, speaking of North Texas, I did talk to Matt Denny a little bit, and he mentioned that they have two players from open training, open tryouts that they're going to invite to camp, sort of. Uh, North Texas camp opens February 11th. They're going to have a trialist sessions the week before with the North Texas staff working with these trialists and invitees. And then some of them will get held over to perhaps the actual North Texas season. They do have one more open tryout to go. So right now they have two guys with maybe possibly more to come out of this final open tryout. There will be some academy players involved. They do have the first signing of the year for that team coming soon. My impression I walked away with was maybe this week. We might begin to hear that. Um, I, I'm still left with the feeling that there will be less of those this year that since Nico talked about more about guys going down from the first team and they've talked to other people I've talked to, have talked more about the Academy presence. So I'm kind of hoping there'll be less players on loan or something like that from, you know, some of that will depend on, as Denny told me today, some of that depends on where their holes are and who they have available that they're developing if they know they're getting a guy from the first team more, if they know there's an academy guy that's in the right place to be with them quite a bit, then that they can look at that and say, where are our holes we have to fill with players from the outside? So 
you're going to see over the next month and a half until that February 11th opening of camp, you'll see that roster begin to fill out some. Uh, and a fun, stuff that's for you and I, Dan, and for us more hardcore soccer geeks, it is fun to watch that all come together. Absolutely. Uh, yes, it's, it's great to get those stories like the, uh, like a, a Bernie. Um, but it's good, just good to see something developing in general. I think both Bernie and Torres, who's the high school age striker from um, down near McCallum, I think it's kind of the neighborhood of, that he is from. I think those two players probably make them feel a bit better about this. Not that they weren't before, but seeing those guys uh, pass through to the first team, as Matt Denny called it today while I was talking to him, proof of concept that you can find these local players and progress them through. Or you can go find Adam Mulatto, who's more of an international guy, but yet is still also 18, progress him through to the first team. And how important that is to prove that that methodology works, that pathway works. That may be a little bit of a game changer for that club to see, you know, see if there's other people that might now be interested in that as an idea. These these diamond the rough type guys, um, whether they be local or domestic or or foreign, they might want to jump in there now that they see this pathway is actually working. Well, I think especially locally because you had a lot of people that would kind of stay away from FC Dallas as a as a youth player, and then took the maybe the attitude that oh, you know Dallas they they ignore anything outside of Frisco. No one's going to scout South Dallas. No one's going to go to, you know, um, Fort Worth. And, and we're seeing not only that, but we're seeing, you know, Bernie was, what, Abilene? Yeah. You know, th- there's there's a concerted effort to at least get eyes on people, uh, which is, is a big deal. It's been in the works for quite a few years now, really, uh, even before they started doing those Louisville uh, training days um you know they've they're talking about uh, agreements with arlington soccer association and some other ones in the area that they're making moves um positive moves to to find these players who you know they're not a 15 year old from solar or a 19 year old from columbia that they they are kind of looking around just you know in, in those more hard to reach places yeah, Paulo Torre, by the way, is the kid from McAllen, as well as mentioning. He's a striker. He signed with them out of high school. A uh, kid from outside the academy system. Uh, and my first introduction to him was a scrimmage game, North Texas versus FC Dallas, when he and I think it was Matt Hedges actually kind of stood up to each other, and that kid didn't back down. And I thought, well, that's a that's a mentality for an 18-year-old kid to, 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 who's never played in above, you know, a, a, a sort of rec, non-academy. I mean, high level, I'm sure, but... You know, still, what a mentality that is, man! I I right away that noticed that. That's a kid playing. Uh, that's a kid playing for a job and someone that you want to give a job to. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So at the end of the press conference, I talked to Nico a little bit. Uh, I, we talked to, quietly about you know what kind of spots. You know, he said yes, center back. Obviously, he mentioned the nine. Of course, Franco Harris departed. There's, they're probably, in my mind, the way you structure a team, you want three of those. He probably sort of feels the same way since he mentioned it. But he did say that there's other spots that they're looking to upgrade. And he sort of reaffirmed this idea that they're constantly evaluating the roster. And anytime a guy comes up to them, or and in terms of, I don't mean like walk up to them, I mean it comes up, it's presented to them as an option, or they go find a guy as an option to upgrade the team, they are looking to upgrade the team. This Professional soccer is a brutal sport. 
in that sense. And the, the roster is constantly overturning and revolving. You know, one of the big buzzwords today was complacency. And this came from the press conference. And Nico said the thing that will kill you more than anything else is complacency. You can't be happy with what happened last year. You have to throw that out and be determined and, and focused and know that last year wasn't good enough. And that's true up and down the entire roster. And I think this current group believes that everywhere on the, in, in, in their team, if they can improve a guy, it doesn't matter who you are or how you got here or what you're getting paid. They will get you out if they think they can get something better. And that is both refreshing and amazing to hear. Yeah, I mean, there shouldn't be any place for sentiment in that in that aspect. And I think one of the things that always that drives me nuts is when people talk about, oh, we need to get some, we need to get someone in for depth. Don't get someone in for depth. Improve the starting position. Let yeah. the, well, let one of the starters be the depth. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you're gonna if you're gonna go out and make the effort to find someone to spend the money, do it to improve the team, not just to, you know, for a rainy day. Yeah, I don't think I can predict who it's gonna be. But I will, it will not shock me if at some point this season, a person that we feel is entrenched as a starter, the team will go out and sign a player to replace them and bump that person down to the depth. And you could be anywhere across the board. We talk about Martinez, right? Could it be Farfan? You can get a better player than Farfan. Could it be the linking eight, whether it's Paxton or Brandon? You can see players around the world that are better than that. Now, they're pretty expensive, you know, how about Legette? Yeah, he looks great, but he's also in his 30s now. So can he hold up for a whole season? I don't know. There's a point at which there might be a better player there. Alan Velasco, we love the way he looks. Is there a player that could be better at that spot? I mean, sometimes it might be pricey, but, you know, what if, what if there's a nine out there that's a world beater that wants to come here and then all of a sudden Jesus is an off 10 or a free eight and then Legette's on the bench again? You know, there, there are ways... And I've come to think that the way this coach and this and now and also Andres and I look at this team, that there that there is nobody that's safe. If Matt Hedges isn't safe, nobody is safe. And if they go, I think there'll be a time this season where we'll be shocked that they go out and get a player and bench somebody. I don't know who it's going to be, but I bet I'm betting on that. Uh, speaking of Hedges, uh, you know, it was nice to uh, hear all, all three of them. You know, we've uh, put on record their thanks and and everything and their best wishes to Matt. I mean, um, you know, you've seen so many players leave here in in a disgruntled manner and and even greats uh, kind of uh, see some bridges burn. So uh, to to see all that for for Matt was was very positive. Yeah, it was. I really liked hearing that. Uh, I think that there's an open door there because. Matt had just expressed to me an interest in someday coaching the academy. Granted, that was three or four years ago we had that conversation, but I, I most people in the organization feel that that's true. And I think they want him to come back someday. He is an asset for this organization, I believe, past the end of his playing days. Now, the other thing I talked to Nico about, I said, listen, can where do you think this team is, right? You're not going to tell me this team is better right this minute than it was at the end of last year. And he said, no, it's the same. We're right now the same as we were at the end of last year. But we have guys now that are settling in. Sebastian Legette feeling more comfortable. Guys that are going into their second year, like your Areola. You know, guys, and again, something we talk about all the time, your young core should progress and take a step forward. Whether it's Jesus, whether it's Pacton, I would include Farfan in that conversation. I would include Evan Surreal in that conversation. At right back, is it Tuomasi or Giovanni? Some of that should take a step forward. I'm expecting 
Nikosi Tafare to step, take a step forward. Even Martin Paz is nowhere near the age of a prime of career for a goalkeeper. That doesn't come till almost 30, and he's only, what, 24, 25? So there's a good core of this franchise and this team that will improve over this year. But he was quite open about the idea that, you know, we're at the same place we were at the end of last year. We've cut away some of the pieces we weren't using to shorten that roster. Uh, and we've given ourselves some flexibility with the Frank O'Hara money, with the other spots they've opened up, that they can do some things when they find the right piece. All right, Dan, I think that about covers the press conference. Uh, in other topics, the NWSL draft was this week, and I believe there were three players from the local area selected. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what happened in the draft? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, second second or third year, third year in a row, um, a player that has, I mean, a player from DFW, a player that has come through FC Dallas in some way, shape, or form, has uh, gone in the third round. Uh, Reina Reyes, who came through the FC Dallas Youth System Academy, uh, went to Alabama. She's uh, on the Mexican uh, national team. Uh, fantastic player. Uh, primarily played right back. Uh, she plays quite a bit of left, which made her a pretty attractive proposition for NWSL teams. Uh, also plays uh, defensive midfield. Pretty uh, solid six. She went sixth overall to Portland. Uh, so she will be uh, a team that's going through some interesting stuff now. Uh, with uh, matey boy, uh, delete the tweet guy, uh, selling them after uh, some unfortunate, um, you know, accusations that have gone on with a, a, a previous coach. But I mean, you've got some quality in that team. If you're a fullback, uh, having Crystal Dunn as a teammate is is a pretty solid one to to work from you've got yeah Lindsay Horan Janine Becky uh Sophia Smith Christine Sinclair Becky Sauberin you've got Olivia Moultrie the, the the midfielder who was signed at what was she 13 or 14 when she signed her deal with yeah. Nike and then they had to uh, break the rules for her to sign <laughs> yeah they did yeah um yeah. You, you know I mean it's just You've got some some quality players there. That's a great organization. You know, they play at at the same stadium as the Timbers and they get a great crowd. I mean, that is that's a really cool situation to fall into. So uh congratulations to Reina. Uh two other players, you know, we kind of we weren't sure if they were if they were gonna get more than one in the first round. Uh Messiah Bright, who went to TCU, uh striker originally with Solar, uh very she she was always considered the polarizing figure because uh, she had a record breaking se- like she'd uh, she had a record a breaking. She scores a lot of <laughs> yeah. She's she's been accused of going missing against bigger teams and the NCAA tournament didn't really do a whole lot. Didn't score any goals in three games, um, and she also kind of turned it on pretty late in her time. Um, It'll be, uh, you know, I think uh, the year before, I think was it the year before last or this year, she kind of had a so-so season. Uh, there was a big risk of taking her, but she's going to Orlando uh, Pride. Um, instantly, Chelsea Washington, who was an FC Dallas player, just just released from there. So, um, you know, she will be. Well, although she will hopefully pop up again in NWSL because she was a pretty solid player. Um, 
You've also got Riley Mattingly. Oh, I forgot the Parker. name. Parker, that was it. Sorry. Yep. Um, Parker was the married name. She she married an Alabama, uh, an Am- uh, a walk-on wide receiver at Alabama, uh, wow. John Parker. Yeah. So she actually lives full-time in Alabama now. Um, she just played uh, with Alabama FC and WPSL uh, the last pre- last off-season. Um, she is uh, another solo striker. She, um, you know, kind of came up pretty late. She, uh, as a senior, she came off a torn uh, ACL to have a career season. I want to say it was uh, 17 goals, 41 yep. points to set those single season records for Alabama. Uh, again, a risk. A player who's had this like one insane standout season. Um, but she went 31st overall to, to Louisville. Uh, she'll be alongside Katie Lund, that's a goalkeeper that came through FC Dallas. Uh, Katie Lund actually had this breakout season this year. Um, she played all 22 games. She actually broke the uh, the NWSL record for most saves in the season. Uh, so, uh, yeah, a, a good, uh, you know, provided that she's able to, willing and able to go to, to Louisville, um, because you know we've seen it before. Some players, uh, depending on what husband's career is like, what their career prospects outside of soccer are like, uh, they may not, you know, may not stick with it. We had uh, Julie James Doyle, who was a US U23. I think she came up through Sting, played in uh, WPSL with with FC Dallas. She went to Sky Blue, had this great rookie season, but her husband was in the Navy, uh, so you know. She had to go to Norfolk, Virginia. There wasn't really any much uh, soccer-wise, so it was uh, time to use the degree instead. Parker reminds me a little bit of uh, Dallas's second-round draft pick, Winton Brink, who was a late bloomer as well and really just had like the one great 10-goal, 9-assist season <laughs> at the end of the of his career in Indiana. But sometimes those guys can pay off, those guys that explode late. It's never too late to break out you know, until you, unless you're 25 when you're drafted, and then it's too late. <laughs> before that it's never too late to have your breakout when it comes to college or whatever it, else it, it's kind of interesting as well because there's a lot of talk of like you know uh, uh, i think uh, matt and lee parker was one of them uh giving up your last season of eligibility as a you know as the now in covert time super senior yeah um you know so it's 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 kind of interesting um especially for the players that did have like at actually four years or or three and a half years or you know in her case two two and a half years because uh because of that acl to uh, to to see the the use of that and i guess when soccer on the men's and women's side is going to kind of normalize back to the four years all right moving on to the last topic before kit talk dan uh is there was a another confirmed super group participant for the dallas cup this year it's really shaving up into a nice group FC Mitchellland uh, has now come into the uh, supergroup. They are from Denmark. Uh, only Denmark, Denmark teams only won the supergroup once and one other group won one time. So they're a little bit of a long shot. But when you put them in there with Sao Paulo, Arsenal, Botafogo, Tigres, Monterey, and the Canadian international representative, Toronto FC. And of course, there will be a host club, which these days is pretty much FC Dallas in that super group that thing's really shaping up into a nice nice group i think there's room for perhaps one more team that i'm not really sure how big the super group is going to be this year so interesting to watch maybe a couple more teams if they expand it a little bit 
Super yeah. exciting to see some really nice group teams in the group again this year. It's good. I mean, I think I don't know how many people would join me in this, but I think there was a worry when when Andy uh, stepped down as sure. the tournament director. You know, could they kind of keep the relations up and keep things going? But this year, I think outside of the super group, you've got Everton, you've got a Stephen Gerrard Academy come in, you've got a uh, what it called um, Fortuna Düsseldorf, I believe, or. One of the German teams that won a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, Toronto's coming back into it. You've got uh, the usual Club Santos, a uh, couple teams from Mexico. It's it's turned into more than the the watered-down team that we... Uh, the watered-down tournament that we saw immediately post-COVID. Yeah, Eintracht Frankfurt's the team, I think. Eintracht, that's yep. it, yeah. Yeah, with the cool... They have a very cool logo, I've always loved. The, uh, yeah, like the yeah. Byzantine Eagle. yeah. Yeah, super excited to see. I'm sure there'll also be a, a big thing for Pele as well. Yeah, oh since yeah. Since he's got a history of the Dallas Cup. He does, that's true. It should be a pretty exciting year for the Dallas Cup in general, and I really like the way the super group's shaping up. Shaping up. I'm really excited about it. Okay, Dan, get talk time. Yes. Uh, we might lose Steve Davis again because this one might be a little longer, but uh, – Today was the debut of the new kit sponsors. Now, the, the, the news was announced a couple days ago that FC Dallas has a new kit sponsor. It's not the super hype HEB that we wanted, but it is still a uh, very, very good one. It's a combination of Children's Hospital and UT Southwestern. There will be a split jersey sponsor, the home jersey, which we saw today. And there's a picture of, I'll, I'll make it the picture of the podcast, ooh. is Children's Health on the home jersey. There's an away jersey coming that will have UT Southwestern on it. Both of those logos in some combination, I'm not really sure, probably mostly UT Southwestern, but I think it's actually a combination, will appear on North Texas gear, Academy gear, FC Dallas youth gear, um, jer- jersey, not just jerseys, but also like sweats and all kind of stuff. Also, the deal includes uh, a partnership for uh, trainer services for uh, the Academy, for youth, for the first team, for North Texas. Some involvement with the FC Dallas community affairs stuff, community uh, charity stuff, scholarships for some academy players that are interested in, I'm a promising interested in, um, you know, medical sort of fields. I'm guessing on that part on the last bit, scholarship for sure. I think it's supposed to be the idea is related fields, but I'm not 100% positive on that. Anyway, it's a great deal. And Dan, what'd you think of the first images of the jersey? Uh, I thought it was really clean. Uh, I didn't notice the. The image placement was slightly different on Paxton's jersey to uh, Ibiaga's. Uh, I'm sure that was just last minute, get something uh, yeah, put on. together in the, in the back yeah. on. Because <laughs> one of them, the balloon, I mean, if you're not familiar, I mean, if you're not familiar with the children's health logo, look at the pod up. Uh, but one of them, the balloon in the logo was immediately under the, lo- the FC Dallas crest kind of crowded a little whereas the other one was slightly off to the side and just kind of complimented it better that might be based some of which on the size of the two people modeling the jersey one of them is much bigger than the other <laughs> ibiaga is a much bigger man than Paxton oh, yeah. Uh, yeah i just with those uh placements of the logos they tend to you know they they tend to stay pretty consistent um so i was yeah i, I was just a little bit you know, hopefully it doesn't crowd out, and hopefully, uh, you know, a big part of the MTX, the first season of the MTX, and well, actually, in general, the re- the only reason I didn't buy the the community kit, the blue one, 
was just what you went to the store. Every single logo was in a slightly different position, and uh, and they didn't look the same as the ones on the field. There were uh, it was That's a small true, black yeah. logo as opposed to like the bigger navy blue one. I wanted the field one, not the yeah. you know. <laughs> I yeah. could go to I could go to DHK and buy something that looks like that. <laughs> that's true. Oh, that's true. Well, we we know for sure that at the Cocktails and Cleats event, they, the FC Dallas will debut their new secondary jersey. If you guys are not kept up with the every other year cycles, the red jersey from this last season will carry over with a new sponsor on it, but it's the same jersey as last year. The powder blue NATO kit, as we call it, because it looks like a tornado jersey, uh, is being phased out. There's a new secondary kit. Obviously, I really hope they keep the powder blue in some capacity. That jersey was a massive seller for the club. Uh, I think that I hope that they learn the lesson from that and continue with something in those lines. Because uh, I, for one, think that powder blue jersey, if it's not the best jersey they've ever had, it's pretty close to it for sure. And, no, and the number of that. sales make people make them feel that it really is. Yeah, that'd be uh, crazy. And, and honestly, um, you know. Depending on, you know, depending on how this league's cups goes, uh, you've got teams like Necaxa. Well, if you have say a white a white away with a red home, you can't wear either of those. They play in red and white stripes. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, the, the the that's an interesting question there that you bring up, Dan, is that the league's cup means that you're going to play a selection of teams that you've never played before in a league that maybe doesn't necessarily keep the same light, dark combinations of major league soccer. And if you intend for that competition to be developed and you intend to perhaps have make your team run a run, run in it, which you can't control, of course, maybe you have to take into account different parameters of, of jerseys. You know, when you have to mix in with another league, like that league's cup makes you have to do. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I'll tell you one thing I'm really looking forward to. Uh, I think it always looks really cool when the, when teams have a training uh, kit sponsor that isn't their jersey sponsor, so I'm really looking forward to seeing the uh, the warm up tops with uh, UT Southwestern and the and the jerseys with children's. I think that's gonna look. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, that's pretty a, fun. I had fun of it. I'll tell you one thing about MLS kit stuff in general that drives me crazy is the fact that there's a league wide Adidas deals, and that I know everyone hates that, but it's because partially because of that. The entire league has the exact same training gear. And the only way you can tell the difference is either the tiny team logo or a sponsorship on it. And so, like, every single training session by every club in the league is the same gray and black junk that SC Dallas has. So I do wish that they would go back to just having the team color training gear. Yeah, Uh, Gabby does. Yeah, it's a little bit annoying. Uh, I mean, I get it if you're going to have them as like match day warm up jerseys, but they don't. They have the team colored ones as the warm up jerseys normally. Yeah. Um, you do get some teams that that still have them. Miami plays in, you know, Miami has a pink one. I think LA has like a turquoisey one. Uh, Austin has, Austin or Seattle, one of them has a green one. You can, you can do it. You can, you can absolutely have the colored. Uh, the the colored gear for them, but they, for whatever reason, just choose not to. Yeah, that's one of those things where people at Dallas have told me that that's dictated, but you're right, there are other people. And the, the, the thing is, is that we know that it exists because the academy training gear, they don't train in their uniforms, they train in training gear, just like the first team does. And it's reds and blues and whites, and it looks great. I mean, ultimately, it comes down to what's going to sell. And FC Dallas training 
jersey isn't going to sell as many as a no as an LA Galaxy or a Miami. One. Yeah, I don't. I don't even bring it up for the idea that they would sell it. I just get tired of looking at pictures of all these clubs around the country training, all looking exactly the same. And honestly, I'm have to go. Out, I'm the one that goes to training all the time. I get tired of looking at the same damn boring gray training top all the time. <laughs> Mix it up. And Dallas used to have different color training shops. There's a wasabi training top from like '97. It's really fun. I have the yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, even yeah, I remember they had the the blue and red reverse ones that just like if you stared at too long gave you a headache. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, I think uh, you know we've we've also um, seen a few things around the league uh, this week. We've. They've had the uh, MLS Media Day in San Jose, I think it was this year. Um, yep. Jesus and Allen went for FC Dallas. Yeah, I saw. I saw Jesus was there. Um, the anthem jacket, like the you know they they wear the kit with the anthem jacket over it. Uh, new anthem jacket is red. It looks like they're going to be reversible as well. So I think the inside of it's white. Nice. Uh, but we've seen uh, he was wearing the home kit, so no great, uh, no leaks or anything. Um, the, we've seen, you know, uh, Vancouver's got a new white Jersey with like a, a light blue pinstripe. Uh, it looks like, uh, Cincinnati's got a new like Royal blue and what might even be a hooped Jersey with, uh, with Navy blue Portland's got my grandmother's curtains. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, we've, we've seen, we've seen a few. A few leaks, a few different things. Um, I think if you kind of, if you're in the Discord of us, or if you, uh, you know, see any of the the stuff we've, you know, either uh, I've shared or or Buzz has shared on social media, you know what the 2023 uh, kits are going to look like based off actually all the Adidas World Cup jerseys were the 2023 cut. So uh, it's starting to get to a point where. You know, we, we have our predictions and, and you know, that's the information that we kind of glean from to, to put those together. So, uh, yeah, we're getting we're getting to that fun time of the year. Yeah, once Dan pinpoints the templates that are available and we can kind of come up with some ideas, we can usually get pretty close to uh, a fun prediction, uh, which we'll probably have bef- when Scott doesn't cleats. Is it on the 16th? Uh, yeah, February 16th. Yeah, so we're a month away. We got a month to try and come up with a good uh, prediction for that, and we'll do our best to uh, to come up with a good one uh, based on, of course, Adidas templates. Not that we couldn't dream of other things, but we have to use, we attempt to use what the league is actually using, and Dan's really good about coming up with what that template is nice. and giving us the options and, and, and making up some... the aim of the game. Yeah. And that's how we get so close. That and some hint, few hints, and we can just put it together. I, I I always relish on the one where we caused some panic when people thought we had an actual image of the jersey, and it wasn't. It was just one of your mock-ups. And we were, afterwards we were able to point out the one or two tiny things that were different. But we had it. Yeah. You, you had it. You know, ninety-eight percent right. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's a lot of fun to uh, cause people a little bit of panic. Right? <laughs> Late night panic when they think that we've that someone's leaked the image to us. <laughs> no, no, Dan's just got skills. Uh, all right dan anything else last call for topics of hot discussion for sc dallas you know i don't think so 
Yeah, it was fun to get going on the 26th season, my 26th season. I, I, I will tell one tiny funny story that I met a new PR intern today or digital intern, perhaps. I didn't ask what department he was in, who is, you know, like a given player is younger than considerably younger than the amount of years I've been doing this. And it sometimes it blows my mind how long I've been out there. And, and Dan, you've been. I feel like you've been with me for over a decade now, so thank you for being one of the very, very rare people, other than Peter, who's managed to make it past even two years sometimes is uh, all we can ever keep people around for. I appreciate that. I think, uh, yeah, I think it's what, like, ooh, what, seven years, six years? Seven, I don't know. There's some time. Time goes by really quickly, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to getting out on, on Monday to practice and... Uh, just you know, it's always it's always nice to 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 have that the first time you go out every season. So I'm sure that must be a boring feeling for you by now. <laughs> no, it, you would think it would be, but it's not. Especially the beginning of the year, there's a freshness to it. You know, when you see all the faces coming back out and people saying hello to you, and you get the balls come out, and you see the guys running around and trying to get fit, and who isn't, and who isn't, who isn't fit, and you talk to the coaches, and they give you little tidbits, and you can talk about some of their ideas and. And, and try to figure out which direction the team's going. And I get a real joy out of evaluating the new players and seeing how I think they fit in and who's going to make it and who's not. And and hopefully next week we'll get a lot more ball action. So I'll be able to actually come back with some impressions on draft picks and signings. The Really, there's only the one signing, I think, at this point, um, the center back. But, you know, since Giovanni's not in camp, a player I'm quite looking forward to see what he's got. Yeah. Uh, It'll help, of course, if he was not sick. <laughs> 30 Degree, the podcast is brought to you by Soccer90.com. Right now, 30 Degree listeners get 25% off with the code 3rd Degree at checkout. U.S. national team gear, FC Dallas gear, international stuff. Every club that you could want, they've got it. Check it out online, Soccer90.com. 25% off with our code 3rd Degree at checkout. Shout out to Paul Ariola for his big fancy wedding, getting on the front cover of, well, not, maybe not front cover, exclusive People in People magazine. magazine. That was just crazy. <laughs> Unbelievable, that one. That yeah, I mean, mine cool. only got the front cover of Plano Police Department. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Dan, thank you for being here, my friend. Thank you, and uh, congratulations on season 26. No, oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, FC Dallas curious fan for hanging out with us once again and we'll see you next week on another edition of third degree the podcast now enjoy poppy check Ooh. Woof. third degree the third degree net podcast third degree the third degree net podcast Twenty-five, twenty-five long hard years, yeah. Was Carrick, yeah, the man, man. Twenty-five years, you better be giving this man at least five dollars a month. Patreon third degree, come on, pay the man. It's the only comprehensive coverage of my fucking club that I love so much. Hey, come on, it's third degree or bust, yes. Give the man some other f- money, hey. Third degree, third degree, never care.